There's no other explanation for it, Carol. You must be an idiot. There's no other reason why you would pack me a strawberry jam sandwich, strawberry juice, and strawberry shortcake when you know I'm allergic to strawberries. Who dares interrupt Duke while he's on the phone? It's Alice. Can I come in? I don't know any Alice's, but you may enter. Oh, Sally, it's you. What do you want? I want to talk to you about the other day. What about it? Did I hurt your feelings? I'm just tired of how you've been treating me, and I think it's time for things to change. You should show me some respect. <laughs> You're adorable. Did you come to Duke for an apology? I did. Let me tell you something, Sally. Do you know who runs this radio show? Me. And soon I'll be running the television division, too. So don't come to me with your expectations of apologies and all the rest of that feminine nonsense, because you will get exactly what I think you deserve, which at the moment is nothing. Understand? The year is 1951. The new city radio broadcast struggles against the rise of television. With their careers on the line, the radio team has but one season to save the station. This is Writers at the Edge, Episode 3, How Alice Got Her Groove in the First Place. Of course I read the article about the Otis automatic system. Um, excuse me, Flo. Can the I talk to Beth? The anticipation of traffic patterns sounds amazing. These elevators can change the world. Flo! Oh, I'm sorry, Alice. I didn't see you there. I can't afford glasses until you guys get that bonus. Hold on, Dad. Miss Brant, are you busy? Alice is here to see you. I'm always busy, but send her in. And remember to order that case of brandy. I hope you're not coming into my office to complain. No, I... I just wanted to talk to you about something that happened with Duke. Go on. He and I had a fight because he keeps treating me like garbage and I don't know what to do. That does sound like Duke. I can't work with someone who doesn't respect me. Look, I can't afford to lose Duke and I can't afford to lose you either. Duke is never going to change, but you can change how you deal with him. How do you deal with someone who doesn't respect you? Stop expecting them to give you respect and start demanding it. Oh, God. For heaven's sake. Mrs. Brant, I can't get a case of brandy until next week. Corner store. Use this. How did you become so strong? It's like nothing phases you. I didn't get this way by being dumb and spineless. We live in a world that's all about survival. Don't be a gazelle, Alice. Be a lion. You know... When I was a little girl, I dressed up as the cowardly lion from The Wizard of Oz. My mom wanted to take my picture and send it to my dad, who was in the army, but I kept crying and ruining my face paint. Because you missed your dad? Well, no, because I wanted to be the Tin Man. But I did miss my dad, too. Have I ever told you how I got this job? It was 1941, and I was putting together tanks out in East Southbridge. They converted a slaughterhouse. My foreman kept giving me crap, and I'd had enough, so I slugged him hard and knocked him out. They fired me, but some fight promoter was on the floor and signed me up for the Women's Wartime Boxing League. The point of the story is, I fought my way here and didn't stop once I arrived. I don't know if I can hit Duke. Then use your words. What's 
your secret, Duke. I was born. It's just that simple, Clark. Either you have it or you don't. I think I have it. You know what you don't have. My coffee. One and a half creams, a tablespoon of sugar, and a counterclockwise stirring motion, right? <laughs> exactly. Willie! Is there anything you'd like to do for me? My shoes are losing their luster. I'd rather sew your mouth shut. Duke, we need to talk. Oh, Sally, there you are. These shoes could use a good shine. <laughs> no. No. So you're finally quitting? The opposite. I'm staying, and if you ever disrespect me again like you did this morning, it'll be the last thing that you ever do. Look, Alice. Who told you to speak, Wellington? I worked hard all my life trying to prove to society that I can make it, and now I have to deal with an ignorant person like you who thinks I'm worthless? Lower your voice. You're disturbing the office. Oh, do you feel that we should continue this conversation in your office? Is that more of a private and professional setting for you, Mr. Duke? Yes, that's exactly what I want. We're not leaving until this is over. I don't care if you like me, but you will respect me. And if you don't change, then I will make sure that every day you're here is the most miserable day of your existence. That wasn't me. Alice! <laughs> Alice! You've... You've assaulted Duke's good and bad, classically trained ears with your language. I will not stand for this. Then how about you leave? Gladly. But let me tell you this. You will all regret the day you attacked Duke Wellington. Wait, Mr. Duke, your coffee... I haven't seen someone stand up to Duke like that since Carol spit in his face at their wedding. I just couldn't take it anymore, Willie. I was starting to get afraid to present anything I wrote. Which is why we're so behind on next week's script. Not necessarily. I did write one. Well, let's see it then. Even if it's horrible, I want you to be honest. I have only one word for this script. Wow. What? This is amazing. Even better than Commando Quack, and I didn't think you could get better than that. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Don't thank me. Thank yourself. You've written something that even Duke won't be able to turn down. There's no one... <clears throat> There's no one here. There it is. There's no one here in the writer's room They're all gone tonight Except for Duke He has no plans So he's decided to stay And sweep up some dirt On the writers today Tonight Clark must have something in his desk that's incriminating and I refuse to guess. A photo of Gene Kelly, a watch, a pocket watch, another watch, and a child's watch, a catalogue full of scarves, and a note that says no matter how many watches I buy, I still can't read time. Ugh.
There's always Willie. He's got to have something. That old man looks like a hoarder or something. I think I remember. He has some disorder. Or maybe he's just an ass. A pack of cigarettes and a flask that still have full. A postcard from Hawaii that's postmarked to himself. Hey Willie, how's the news? Are you swell? What's new? Nothing. Or maybe all the secrets lie in Miss Sally's desk. It's surely and undoubtedly full of crap. Get her, oh yes, that would surely be the best. Three sticks of gum, some lipstick, a book, a journal, a ridiculous degree, and what's this? A script? It must be the new one. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most amazing script And now it's just for me If I were blind Then now I would see You fought with me, Sally so let's play a game. Yes, I'll take your script and scratch out your name. And there it is, written by Duke Wellington. Another genius move by second Wellington's son. Goodbye, New City Broadcast. I've stolen your work. Oh, boo, you might think I'm a jerk. But Duke Wellington the third will soar to the stars with his most devious decision as I take your script to television! How will writers cope now that Duke's done his dastardly deed? Dare to find out on the next Writers at the Edge! This episode of Writers at the Edge was written by Ashley Coven and directed by Matt Brousseau, featuring Bob McCarthy as Roger, Christian Isley as Duke, Jason Acevedo as Cliff, Natalie Van Sistine as Bev, Tara Keneally as Alice, Taylor Gerard as Buzz, Tayshawn Farr as Flo, Tom Bowman as Willie, music composed by Rebecca Nystad, assistant director Angela Jackson, production assistant Natalie Van Sistine, recording engineer Rebecca Nystad, and produced by David Pierczynski. Concept for Writers at the Edge by Jocelyn Pierce. This program was produced for the Columbia College Chicago School of Media Arts, Radio Department, Barbara Calabrese Chair, and WCRX-FM, the student-run radio station of Columbia College Chicago.